Welcome to the mother of all talk shows. Sorry, I'm a couple of minutes late. In fact, prepare yourself for some technical rough housing this evening. I'm in a basement in the eastern part of Europe, rather closer to the war zone than I would have chosen to be if I'd known what was going to happen in Moscow last night. In fact, I'm in a place where the first rockets will fall if this becomes an all-out, no-holds-barred general European war. And don't think I'm exaggerating, because what happened last night changes everything. The drone attacks on the Kremlin, which could well have killed the president of the Russian Federation in his government headquarters in his residence. As a matter of fact, he wasn't even there, but he could have been there. And the fact that these two drones were able to land on the roof of the Kremlin is a matter of the gravest significance, as all but the most stupid can surely work out. Of course, the Russians say that they shot these drones down. I'm not in a position to say whether they did or whether they didn't, though if they didn't, they definitely would claim that they did. The video I have seen, if genuine, seems to suggest that both of these drones hit their target. Now, the question of where these drones were launched from is, of course, an apposite one. And some fools, the same kind of fools, who told us that Russia blew up its own pipeline, that the Nord Stream 2, a 21 billion euro investment, half of it paid by Russia, was blown up by Russia so that they could never again supply gas to Europe when they were doing rather nicely, doing so over decades in the past. The same kind of fools are now saying that Russia landed two rockets on its own Kremlin heartland in order, I don't know, to do what? to justify an escalation. Well, escalation there definitely will be, whether it was a false flag operation or not. Think about it. It's a matter of simple logic. If it was a false flag, its purpose was to justify escalation. If it wasn't a false flag, escalation will definitely be the result. So it's otios as a question. Uh, who did this deed? The deed was done and filmed and it is a matter I'm sure of the greatest embarrassment in Moscow that the Kremlin was apparently defenseless at least until the last moments to hostile enemy ordinance being launched by Ukraine or by people acting for Ukraine and I want to turn to that matter now some people say well uh, drones of that size could not have flown all the way from Ukraine. They must have been launched inside Russian territory. Well, I don't know if that is true or not. I know that the rocket time from the Ukrainian border, as was, to Russia is only a couple of minutes. So I'm not necessarily convinced that these drones could not have flown from the Ukraine. But if they were launched inside Russia... They were clearly launched by agents of Ukraine. But I want to widen the circle of responsibility much more significantly. Blinken, the Secretary of State for the United States of America, 
said that he absolutely could not verify that these two drone weapons had landed on the Kremlin, even while the rest of us were watching it on screen. I don't know if it made terrestrial television, but it made everybody else's screen light up uh, at the moment that it did so. I was woken and told to get onto my screen and saw it actually happening, but Blinken absolutely could not verify. The Pentagon then later said that they had no advanced knowledge of this attack on the Kremlin. Well, whether they did or whether they didn't, the responsibility is theirs. Ukraine long ago lost agency in this conflict. Ukraine is not in a position to make a peace settlement, as we all know, as Boris Johnson was sent to remind them. Ukraine cannot prosecute the war without the wherewithal being constantly shoveled into them by the other NATO powers. And all those NATO powers are all under the direction of the United States of America. Only Hungary and Turkey can be said to be independent players any longer inside NATO, and NATO can do what it likes, whether Hungary and Turkey like it or not. So the ultimate responsibility for this attack on the Kremlin lies in the White House in Washington, D.C., I mentioned the White House because I want to ask you to imagine just for a moment an Iranian drone attack on the White House, on the Lincoln bedroom or wherever Joe Biden sleeps, on the bathroom on which he sits for many hours, I'm told, every evening and through the nighttime hours. Imagine if a Chinese drone or an Iranian drone or a Cuban drone, or a Venezuelan drone, never mind two of those, had landed on top of the White House. What would now be the American response? I'm asking you to imagine that, because I'm now going to ask you to imagine what Russia is going to do. Now, all the signs are that Putin is a canny fellow, calm, cool, collected, despite all the efforts to paint him as some kind of madman who woke up one morning and decided to attack his neighbor. All the signs are to the contrary of that. As a matter of fact, I know many Russians who think he's far too canny, cool, and collected, far too controlled in the way in which he is conducting this conflict. And many of those are in the military or are ex-military. So I'm asking you to imagine what pressure is now on President Putin to answer this provocation as it turned out, but what could have been the decapitation of the Russian state. It's that serious. The entire leadership of the Russian Federation could have been in that building and presumably frequently are. Now, in former times, the military officers responsible for guarding the Kremlin would have already been up against the wall in the Lubyanka and shot for negligence. And it's not a mistake that is likely to be allowed to happen again. 
Neither is it a provocation, an assassination attempt that is going to go unanswered. So what will the answer be? Well, I'm no lawyer, but Russia now has the right of self-defense under international law. And that right of self-defense is not just against the immediate belligerent in the special military operation, which will now presumably have to be declared to be a war, an actual war rather than an SMO. But that right of self-defense extends to those who assisted Ukraine or its agents to conduct an assassination attempt on the leadership of Russia. What would you do? What would any country do? What would any country do if another country attempted to decapitate its leadership in an act of military aggression? Something which, incidentally, the cool, calm and collected Putin has not done to Vladimir Zelensky. Throughout more than a year of conflict, he's been free to walk around with each and every international visitor from Ursula von der Leyen to Bono of U2. He's been in and out like a fiddler's elbow into the bunker in Kiev. And they walk around the streets. Even Joe Biden did it. And Russia did not attack them. But it will now surely have to show that it has the wherewithal and the will to actually do so. And so it's quite likely, but I can't guarantee it, that the first retaliation will fall on Ukraine and on the Ukrainian leadership. That's why the leader, Zelensky, has run away. Don't think I'm just insulting him. The Finnish government has announced that though Zelensky is in Finland, and was supposed to be there for one day, he is now going to stay in Finland for an indeterminate period. Maybe forever. Maybe as a staging post on the way to Miami or Tel Aviv or whichever beach Zelensky is now thinking of spending the rest of his life on. The fact is, the Ukrainian leadership, whether Zelensky or the broader leadership, are now entirely legally open to deadly retaliation from Russia. And it would seem to me that however cool, calm and collected Vladimir Putin is, he's not going to be able to sit this one out. That widens the war, makes the war escalate in a dramatic way, a more dramatic way than anything that's happened during the last 14 months. And that must put pressure on Europe to get off the pot or to piss. If they are on this pot, they better start pissing. And if they want to get off the pot, they better get off it quickly. And that's why we must hope that somebody sane in the European Union, in the European half of the NATO membership will call a halt to this. Maybe it will be Germany, which has the most to lose, which already has lost the most. Maybe it will be France, whose leader could do with a bit of distraction on international affairs. If you get my drift, a break from his forces 
clubbing, gassing, and shooting his own people on a daily basis on the streets of France, all the streets of France, not just Paris, but sleepy hamlets and Riviera resorts are filled with angry protesters being gassed and clubbed and shot by Macron's police. This would probably be a good time, President Macron, to launch some kind of dramatic foreign intervention to bring about a halt to this conflict before this escalation gets even more out of control. That's not all we'll be talking about tonight, but I've no doubt it will dominate. But there are other issues. Let's start with the United States itself. Let's start with the ever-plummeting poll ratings and IQ intelligence quotient of the American leadership. You know, I always make the joke that Richard Nixon was sure nobody would ever shoot him because Spiro Agnew was next in line. Well, nobody's going to shoot Joe Biden because Kamala Harris is next in line. And if you thought Joe Biden's videos were embarrassing, you haven't seen Kamala Harris yet. This woman is on laughing gas or on LSD. You'd certainly need to be on LSD to understand a word that she is saying. Poor little President Marcos of the Philippines was stood next to her the other day where she uttered forth a stream of consciousness so hallucinogenic that Marcos was left utterly bemused as to what he could possibly say in reply. And this woman is a faint heartbeat away from the presidency of the United States of America. The Democratic Party is now in a state of crisis, that it has an Alzheimer's patient as its nominee and a lunatic as his running mate. Now, that might or might not, depending on the level of cheating involved, allow them to win the election, but how can it possibly allow them to govern in a way that doesn't look like the inmates of Ward 5 of Bellevue or Broadmoor, the hospital for the criminally insane in England, running the show. And therefore, they must, they must as a matter of simple logic, be hoping that somebody else can ride to the rescue. Is that person Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? I don't know about you. I'm not giving him a blank check or anything. I just read the other day his stuff from the Russia, early Russia Gate period of RFK Jr.'s scribbles back in 2018. He was off the wall talking about Russia Gate, how Russia had cheated America out of Hillary Clinton's presidency and so on. Absolutely atrocious stuff. I prefer his more recent work. His more recent work is pretty impressive. If elected, he's going to end the war in Ukraine. If elected, he's going to pardon Julian Assange and Edward Snowden. If elected, he's going to open the books, I hope, on the murder of his own father 
and the books on the murder of his own uncle, but all the other books, for sure, the books about the criminal conspiracy that existed between the United States deep state and the big tech oligarchs of Facebook and Twitter as was, and no doubt many others, the criminal nexus in defiance of the U.S. Constitution itself, which existed to conspire to deny the people of America their First Amendment rights, and much, much more. I think the RFK Jr., if the Democratic Party had any sense, would be an answer to their problems. But if not, then it's becoming obvious that RFK Jr. is going to have to make a third-party run, the very thing that Bernie Sanders could and should have done when the Democratic Party cheated him. And last, and definitely least, my own country of Britain, which I haven't seen for quite some time, is in the grip of coronation mania. People are lighting up public buildings. People are preparing street parties. No, not that many. Not as many as there once would have been. In order to watch Queen Camilla. I'm not making that up. That's what we've got to call her from now on. Queen Camilla and King Charles III crowned with stolen jewels in a ceremony costing £250 million on a manifesto of a slimmed-down monarchy, the country is gripped with whether Harry and Meghan are going to show up and how long they're going to stay. And it all sums up the faded grandeur, not just of the British royals, but of Great Britain itself. We'll be talking to the member of parliament who did more to expose the malfeasance in the royal household than any other. The Right Honourable Norman Baker will be one of our guests tonight. Because I have no clock, I have no idea how long I have spoken. I pray it was not too long, and I pray that you heard each and every word of it. In which case, Give me 60 seconds and I'll be right back with the rest of the show.